the Thriving Student Podcast, helping you go from surviving to thriving during your studies. Hi there, love. My name is Bridget, and I'm a qualified naturopath at Earthly Health Naturopathy. Welcome to the Thriving Student Podcast. My aim is to provide you with practical natural health tips about nutrition, lifestyle changes, and some herby magic to make studying a little easier. So let's go. Hello, hello. It's week four of term one and the fourth episode of the Thriving Student Podcast. Welcome. How are you going? Thank you so much for tuning in again. Today is my second episode in our little sleep series that we're doing at the moment. Before we jump into the four things that I want you to include in your sleep routine, I've got a little recommendation for you this week. Um, I had an email arrive in my inbox this week from my uni, from the uni that I graduated from, Endeavour College. And essentially, it was a giant list of helpful apps for students. And I just have to share it with you because there's so many good things in there. There are apps to help with studying and focus. There's some around assessment and exam support and also a lot around mindfulness as well. It's amazing. And I'm going to try them out myself so we can sort of make our way through it together if you like and figure out what works best for you across the studying year. I'll pop the link to the article in my show notes for you. Who am I? Can't believe I have show notes. Anyway, let's move past that. Okay, so your sleep routine. We've got four key recommendations to include in your sleep routine, but I also want to touch on a few barriers to getting a good night's sleep too. In naturopathy, we talk about the very first stage to health, and that is around removing the barriers or the obstacles to health. So taking away the things that might be causing the issue in the first place. Now, no, this does not mean dropping out of school or uni, even though that may seem like it's the thing that's causing all of the issues in the first place. It just means taking little steps to acknowledge what may be acting as a barrier um, from certain aspects of your health improving. So when we're talking about sleep, we're talking about things like the stimulants that might be keeping us awake and some things in our environment that may not be very conducive to sleep as well. So reducing stimulants may look like for you reducing your coffee intake. Uh, sometimes what, what I'm really talking about around coffee is your ca- your caffeine intake. Caffeine keeps our stress hormones pumping. And when our stress hormones are really high, the body finds it difficult to release melatonin and the other hormones that help us to go to sleep. They cannot work at the same time. They sort of work in opposition to each other. So we want to reduce the things that can really stimulate that overproduction of our stress hormones, including caffeine. So that means avoiding things like coffee after lunch. If you're a really big tea drinker, it might mean reducing your intake of black tea in the afternoon and definitely no energy drinks. They are my enemy. I don't like them. If you're somebody who drinks them, then that's up to you. But I definitely think reducing the energy drinks, especially post-lunch, will help to reduce that uh, intake of stimulants in the evening. Something else that might be a stimulant is things like exercise too late in the day. So if you're somebody who works out after uni or after school or after a work shift, for example, 
it can be a little too stimulating on our body and sort of keep us awake for a little while longer. So sometimes it might mean swapping out that hardcore workout for something that is a little more gentle. Maybe instead of a HIIT workout or a physical team sport, we might want to switch it out for something that's a little bit more gentle, a slow walk, something stretchy, a yoga flow, something like that that's a little bit more calming to the nervous system. Um, Another stimulant can be things like heavy foods before bed, eating too close to when we're going to bed. So things that are too fatty, too sugary, too spicy, late night snacking. Again, this is what activates digestion. Another thing that might be, that should be resting when we're actually asleep overnight. If it's forced to kick into gear because we've been eating too late, the body reduces that ability to fall asleep. So coffee, caffeine, exercising too late, heavy foods or eating too close to bedtime, And to be perfectly honest, homework can fall into this category too. If you're studying really late at night, if you're forcing your brain to stay awake and concentrate on the content that you're trying to learn, that can act as a stimulant too. So I do, I'm a really big advocate for having an end to your study, studying up until a certain point in the night and then making sure that you prioritize the sleep and actually put the laptop away and, you know, actually get to an end of that. So those are some examples of what a stimulant might be. Um, Sometimes we need to clean up our bedroom environment a little bit. So there are a few little environmental things around us that can sort of stop us from falling asleep. One of those can be lighting. So have a look around your room when you're lying in bed. Are there lights from charging cables? Is there a light coming in under the door or from the window? Do you feel like you maybe might need an eye mask, something to make the room much, much darker? That lighting is telling our brain like something's still going on. We're meant to still be awake. So if you need to reduce the light in the room as well, that's something to be conscious of. Um, We may also need to cool the temperature down in the room. So you may be somebody who likes to be very, very warm at nighttime. I highly recommend losing an extra layer or reducing the heat in your room before you head off to bed. Our body actually needs to drop in its core body temperature to actually optimize that sleep quality. So have a fan going, sleep in some lighter PJs, have a cool shower before bed to sort of reduce that body temperature a little bit. Just don't make yourself too hot. Think about what it's like when you're falling asleep on a really hot night and how uncomfortable that can feel. So when the room is cooler, the body tends to have a better quality sleep. So that's something to keep in mind when we're talking about we want to create a really conducive sleep routine to help us fall asleep nice and easily. Sometimes we have to remove some things first to actually be able to get into that sleep routine at all. So stimulants and looking around the bedroom and seeing if there's something you need to do to make it a little bit comfier for you. Okay, so now to actually creating that routine. It is definitely a bit of trial and error. What works for one person may not work for another, but in the broad sense of things, these are some activities that can help the body to recognize what nighttime looks like. That consistency and repetitive routine reinforces that and makes it easier to fall asleep over time. Time is truly key here. If you try out one or two of these and don't get results overnight, don't be disheartened. It's just because they need a little more time to actually get some results. So my four top tips for you, overarching the four tips are consistent bedtimes and consistent wake up times, avoiding your screens, a couple of alternative activities to falling asleep, And then we've got some mindfulness as well before we go to sleep. So let's start with number one, consistent bedtime and consistent wake-up time. 
We talked a lot about last week how many hours actually required for you to be in bed and have a good night's sleep. I want you to think about how long you're allowing yourself to be in bed for. We know that you need to be aiming for about nine hours a night. Uh, sorry, eight hours a night. If you wake up at 7 a.m., that means you need to be asleep from 11 o'clock the night before. Are you giving yourself enough time to be asleep? On top of that, the body works best on consistency, consistent bedtimes and consistent wake-up times. Shift workers, this is going to be nigh on impossible for you, but we're talking about real consistent where we can, okay? We talk about the circadian rhythm last week. That's basically our 24-hour body clock that regulates the hormones that wake us up and send us to sleep. It's optimized if we're doing the same thing at the same time consistently over over time. So start realistically. If you're currently going to bed at 1 a.m., don't immediately try to get into bed at 10. The body will not cooperate and you're going to end up feeling so frustrated. Shift it back to a reasonable time frame in like 30-minute jumps. Go from 1 a.m. to 12.30, go from 12.30 to 12 a.m. and just start to get it to an area where it feels good for you. Same goes for waking up in the morning. If you have altered start times for uni, some days you might be up at 6 and some days you may not have to be up until 9 and that's going to have an impact on that consistency and that routine for you as well. Try and aim for a happy medium where you can or avoid really long sleep-ins to try and make up hours of sleep. The best thing you can do is aim for that consistency to support that internal rhythm. So I really recommend having a look at your weekly routine and seeing what is going to be the easiest for you to actually aim for. But try and allow that time in bed to be about that eight hours so that you're getting that overnight. Okay, so recommendation number two is avoiding screens. You knew I was going to say it, so let's get it out of the way. First things first, the reason why. We all know we should be avoiding our screens before bedtime, but why? Essentially, our screens are emitting blue light, and blue light is the same light that our eyes detect during the day, and it's a signal to our brain that it's daytime. It's meant to stay awake. When we're told to stay awake, our melatonin and our adenosine, which are two really important hormone release uh, that are released to help us go to sleep, are stopped from being released. They're sort of held back. So as it goes dark and our body recognizes that it's nighttime, the brain starts to release that melatonin and adenosine required for our sleep processes. We get sleepy and we fall asleep. However, if you are using your phone to fall asleep, scrolling or watching something until you can't keep your eyes open any longer, that hormone release is delayed. That means the sleep processes, the actual repairing of tissues, the regeneration, the consolidation of neural pathways, that is all delayed, meaning that the hours that we're asleep for aren't necessarily equal to the quality of that sleep. So we really want to be sort of separating that screen time from when we're going to bed so we can optimize our sleep quality. So screens include our TV, our phone, laptops, iPads, anything like that. And we want to minimize them as much as possible before bed. I am the first to acknowledge that that's really hard. They are vital to your study. You probably use screens to wind down at nighttime, but the long-term health effects are significant. So what I want you to do is start with 15 minutes. 15 minutes before bed, put that phone away, and then we can try and fill in that time with something else. And we're going to talk about that in recommendation number three. Overall, I really want you to try and build that separation between your screens and bedtime 
to an hour. An hour without screens is going to be really ideal for making sure we optimize that sleep quality. We're releasing our hormones to help us fall asleep more consistently, and then we're going to get that sleep quality overnight. I don't expect you to just remove the phone and then twiddle your thumbs for the whole time waiting until you fall asleep. So that leads me into recommendation number three, our alternative activities. Now, I've got a few listed here that I want to talk through of some things that you can do instead of being on your phone uh, to help you fall asleep as a part of that uh, sleep routine. So first of all, the things that you can do once you put that phone down or close the laptop or step away from the TV is get yourself ready for the next day. Prep for school, get your meals sorted, have a shower, brush your teeth, pack your bag, whatever. Do those same steps each night. This will help to ease your little worried brain, reassure you and build trust in your sleep routine. You can also add in some extra alternative activities And I've got three, four, three, four here to sort of talk about. So the first one I recommend quite all the time, actually, I recommend this a lot in my um, clinical appointments, is journaling. Racing thoughts before bed, sort of worrying about what's happening the next day or replaying something that's happened during the day or even just a to-do list can stop you from falling asleep because your brain is like, hold on, I haven't had enough time to think about this yet. So if you grab a blank notebook or a beautiful diary, whatever you use, and a paper, a piece of paper and pen, whatever that looks like, and let those thoughts out. It might be your to-do list. It might be good thoughts from the day. It might be rage writing about something that frustrated you. But writing them down, actually putting pen to paper, gives them an outlet. Another one is reading. Find a book that you've been meaning to start or find one that you love and is a bit of a comfort read and enjoy that for 10 minutes before bed as well. I'm partial to Harry Potter. I still go back to it. I've read it a hundred times. I just like something that is comfy for me to help me fall asleep. You can also put a podcast on. You can put maybe not like a true crime thriller, maybe nothing too stimulating in that sense, but something funny, something you recognize. There are some really great sleep podcasts out there too. Or you can just play some music. Sometimes it's that silence that really messes with people. So having something to sort of keep your brain a little occupied without necessarily looking at a screen can be a way to create that little bit of comfort. When you're listening to that music or listening to a podcast, drawing or creating something with your hands is also a great way to get into that flow state, relax that nervous system and create a little bit of you know, just just you time, just a little bit of relaxation before bed. Similar to journaling, that acts like a release. It's just something to keep your hands busy at nighttime. Do one for a week. And if you don't like it, try a different one. Everyone is different, but I highly recommend finding a different alternative activity to help you relax and settle your nervous system, optimizing it for a really good night's sleep. So that's number three. And my last recommendation to include in your sleep routine is mindfulness, either guided meditation or podcasts or something like that. I love using mindfulness and meditation to help ease and relax your nervous system. And I recommend it a lot in clinical appointments. We know that it helps to slow down our heart rate, slow down our breathing rate, settle that nervous system. All of these things are very helpful to induce relaxation and rest at nighttime. I think there are probably also a lot of us that wish we could make the time for something like this each day, but maybe you feel like it gets away from us a little bit. Before bed is the perfect time to include that. 
The link that I mentioned earlier, that article, I'm going to put it in the show notes, has a few different meditation apps in there that you can go through and try. But the main ones that I probably recommend the most often are Calm, Headspace. My absolute favorite is called Insight Timer. It's available both on Android and on iPhone. It's free and there are so many categories of meditation. There are different lengths. You can do different types of meditation. There's female, male voices. There's different musics. So many sort of areas and criteria to choose from their sleep meditations are absolutely incredible I don't think I've heard the end of one because I'm always asleep by the time it gets to that um there are heaps so find something that you like and do it consistently mindfulness at nighttime is not something that will work as a one-off your brain needs that consistency to train it into understanding that this is it's relaxing and everything's safe and we're feeling comfy so you will start to see the benefits of that mindfulness and meditation after a few weeks so don't give up just keep that going The next step to your creating a really conducive sleep routine is herbal and nutritional support. And this is something I'm going to discuss in next week's episode. That's going to be the third installment of this little sleep series. Extra herbal and nutritional support that we can include at nighttime to help optimize our sleep quality and make it a little bit easier to fall asleep and stay asleep. So in summary, overall, again, those key steps are number one, consistent bedtime and consistent wake up time in the morning. Two, avoiding screens. Three, alternative activities like journaling, reading, drawing, podcast, music to help you fall asleep and induce some relaxation. And then mindfulness, which is something that I think belongs in its completely own category. So including mindfulness on top of those other things can be really helpful as well. So I think the key way, oh, and then also make sure that you remove those barriers that we talked about at the start, removing things that are too stimulating in the late afternoon and evening, and maybe having a look at your sleep environment and making sure that you're comfy in that space. I'd introduce just one key aspect at a time. Maybe consistent bedtime for you is the place to start. After one or two weeks of feeling and understanding what that looks like and feeling good about that step, then work on screen time and build that up over time. Maybe for you, it's much easier to bring in mindfulness right from the very beginning. If you don't like the first mindfulness that you listen to, try another one. So just it is a little bit of trial and error for you in the sense of what's going to work best. But maybe identify the area that you want to work on first, introduce that. And then once you start to feel confident in that aspect of your sleep routine, then work on the next part. I can't wait to hear how you go. I hope that you've sort of found something in this podcast episode to re- that resonates with you, that you feel confident and comfortable to inc- include in your own sleep routine. Please feel free to reach out and let me know what works well for you. And feel free to share if you have another step that you include, something else that you like to have as part of your sleep routine that I haven't mentioned. I hope that these recommendations help you thrive this week and into the rest of the year as well. Thanks for listening to the Thriving Student Podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Earthly Health Naturopathy or email me with feedback or any questions at hello at earthlyhealth.com.au. I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can also rate and follow the podcast, which would just be amazing. All right. Good luck with your SAC or assignment this week. Keep well and we'll talk soon. Bye.
This podcast was recorded on the land of the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.